ladies and gentlemen, yes, this is your favorite show, Sports Unfolded, with your favorite host, Eric and Ron. Hey, welcome to Sports Unfolded, episode 32 of season two. Injuries and retirees. So we have got so much to unfold tonight. The sports world, again, continues to amaze us. I am your host, Eric. My main guy right here, my main man right there. Ron, how are you? I'm fired up. Ready fired to up, go. Ready to go. Ready to discuss all these hot topics. But we're going to start off with our leadoff story, obviously, as a local team. Big story for us, and that would be one James White who has announced his retirement from the New England Patriots. What do you think he meant to the organization and then also to you personally? Um, well, he was definitely um, a key factor in, you know, I want to say definitely one Super Bowl. A key factor in that. Um, a picture that's on there, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that that <laughs> that was big. That was big. Um, you know, I mean, look, he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. Um, probably wouldn't have won one of them without him. I mean, he's a he's a big part of that team. He was a big part of that team, and he could do things that none of the other running backs on the team could really do at the time. Um, now I don't know the circumstances of why he retired. I mean, for all we know, it could have been the team saying, Hey, why don't you retire? So, you know, we don't cut you. No, a lot of it was, uh, his, he had the hip injury last season. So he went out early in the season. Right. And they said, even when he came back into camp, he just, he still had a noticeable limp. It just hadn't healed. Right. I don't think he was going to be the same player again. Which is a shame because if you think about a dual threat running back, and I would say he's not so much for the rushing aspect of it because his numbers aren't very good when it comes to the rushing, but his receiving and what he was able to do with his with the receptions, 381 receptions, 3,278 yards, and 25 touchdowns was always that guy coming out of the backfield that gave Tom Brady, you know, that protection. And we said it last season when he went down, Mac Jones – Big loss when you talk about just from a standpoint of being a leader in the huddle. That was crucial. He understood. And I guess Bill Belichick raved about the fact that he this guy never made mistakes. You gave him an assignment. He was always in the right spot. He knew what to do, what plays to run. He had two fumbles in his career. Two fumbles. And three fumble recoveries. So if you look at it. He honestly had more recoveries than he did fumbles. Well, on the it's funny because on ESPN they gave his like stats and stuff like that, and it has said zero fumbles. Zero. Uh, the numbers I saw said two, but two in eight years is still pretty pretty impressive. Well, yeah. Either way, a twelve in twelve games. Some players uh, have that in one game. Twelve games in the playoffs, fifty nine receptions, five hundred and six yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, the Atlanta Falcon comeback that Super Bowl what he meant he got robbed of an MVP it should have went to him 
Chakra, thanks for joining. Right, such a, a valuable asset, and it's hard to replace them. That's that's where New England's going to struggle now. Ramondre Stevenson, they've done a lot of work in in uh, camp to try to get him prepared to try to take that role. Known as a power runner, now you're asking him to be a receiving back. That's going to be interesting to see. Damian Harris, when he, uh, thank you for the bits, Chakra. If you think about Damian Harris and what he means to the running back situation as well, again, more of a pure runner, not a receiving back. He gave you such versatility on third downs. If it was third and short, they could do that yeah. little draw. Or if you, is he going to go out for a pass? He was always better than any linebacker that was going to cover him. So I, I think it'll be sorely missed. Um, that's It's a tough look. Great career for the New England Patriots. Hall of Fame, I don't think so, though. Not even remotely close with his numbers no. where they are. But he could be a New England Patriot Hall of Famer. I could see him wearing a red jacket for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, look, when you're winning three Super Bowls, you know, and of course, there's degrees of what the important was for each of those seasons. Um, but let's make no mistake, like he he was a big part of that Falcon Super Bowl. What up? They don't win without him. No, they don't. And, and you know, everybody it's... looks at an Edelman catch and, and what that was. But James White was just every ball thrown to him. Right. And then the rush at the end in overtime. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, like this, this is, this is the facts. I mean, you know, you you look back at, at Super Bowls and there's always that guy that is, you know, the, the worker comes with his hard hat on and his, his lunchbox and it just goes in and does his job and he does it great. That year it was, it was white, yeah. you know, we saw a butler turn out to be one of those guys as well. So yes, one of those Super Bowls. Uh, yeah. So again, wish him well. Uh, again, hopefully health. That's going to be important um, for him. So if he's able to to just continue to stay healthy, hey, you never know coaching opportunities. And look, the I NFL. wouldn't be surprised because, you know, look, I mean, we know that most, you know, high profile, all star caliber kind of players don't always make great coaches. Yeah. But those lunch pail guys, those guys make great coaches. I mean, you look at Frable. Look at what he's done. You know? And it, it just it just it just goes to show you those are the motivators. You know, Troy Brown is doing it now, you know? So yeah. you know, I, I would not put it past Belichick to get White in there to work with the running backs. Would not surprise me because, first of all, he's not going to drop balls. So, yeah. who so, better to teach not to do it than the guy that yeah, doesn't do it? Right? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so again, great leader. Um, going to be sorely missed in the Patriot locker room, and we're going to continue on this Patriot theme. So, the New England Patriots played their first preseason game last night against the New York Giants. Uh, what are some of your takeaways from the game? Um, well, they have some guys that can catch the ball. Um, I, I, I do like the two rookies that that um, got some work in in that game. And that is that's important. 
because yeah. they're going to need some people to to uh, get in there as you know the third fourth guy. Um, you know, I don't know where that's going to leave Aguilar because to me, I think he's going to be the odd man out. You know, uh, it's going to be tough to to turn away two rookies that seem to be gaining some foot some uh, footing on the team already. Um, yeah, Aguilar to me seems like the obvious. You're gonna you're gonna end up being yeah. cut. So some of the things that really surprised me: a, no starters played in the game. Yeah, extremely odd, especially since you're trying to work in a new offensive system. You think they would have definitely wanted to see that. Uh, so that that was baffling to me. Uh, the fact that uh, you saw Matt Patricia and Joe Judge both calling offensive plays in the game. Patricia started the game off, worked the series with Brian Hoyer. And then obviously Joe Judge uh, took over for the, uh, what was it, Tappy? Yeah. So Zappy. 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 Yeah. Uh, so again, I, I just think it's very interesting. Bill Belichick, after in the press conference, you know, being Bill Belichick, refused to, to kind of name anybody or say what was going on. It got a little heated, you know, telling people, don't worry about it. It's a work in progress. I'm just curious if it's a work in progress. So why you wouldn't have starters out there to me. That's part of that work in progress. Yeah. I mean, look, we've gone through so many times where we don't know um, exactly what Belichick is thinking. Um, and I don't think this is going to be any different than, than, you know, what it has been already, you know, uh, I just think it's a. Uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, it's it just yeah, it, it baffles me. So I wanted to go through some of my good, and then if you have any, but my good 147 return yards. So special teams looked better. Matt Patricia's back. Yes, Super Bowl Kenny. Thank you for joining. Yes, uh, I'm sure that's where we're going. Uh, Miles Bryant looked very good at, on on kickoff returns. And punt return, well, punt returns. I like that aspect because, again, I think he's a tweener to make a cornerback spot. Special teams, I liked what I saw out of him. The secondary play, I thought Malcolm Butler, Jack Jones, the rookie, he he almost had a couple of, of balls where he could have picked off. Terrence Mitchell, even when he got beat, I like the fact this is old school Patriot where you try to punch the ball out. He actually got a fumble. And when he caused that fumble, it's, again, straight punch. You know, he just seems like every time he was trying to tackle, he's trying to get that that punch in. That's where the Patriots were successful, creating turnovers. Some of those guys, I like that. Linebacker Anthony Jennings. We're talking about this linebacking crew, and I didn't see a lot out of them that made me feel very good about what we're going into this upcoming season. I did like that he was very active. We saw a lot of movement from him. He got in the backfield was making some moves. And then you talked about Tyquan Thornton. Only had a couple balls thrown his way, but he looked like good hands, the touchdown catch, yes. no bobbling, no Nikhil Harry type of situation. Clean, right in his, right, right in his hands. He caught it, and he held on. Um, and even the ball that was on the sideline, it was a great play by the Giants defender. So, again, those are all rookie things that he'll learn, come back to the ball, and try to make those catches. 
but I liked what I saw from him. Yeah. Now my bad. 12 penalties. Yeah. Again, here we go with the penalties. Last season, it was one of those things we talked about every post-game show that we did. Penalties. 12. I think the officials, honestly, were going a little flag-happy anyway. The taunting call on the Giants, I thought was a ridiculous call. Uh, he just put his arms out, the Giants defender, and, and it was taunting. Come on. Like, let's... And I think they were just trying to clean stuff up early in the season. I'm hoping right. that's what that was. Yeah. Well, it's preseason for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. 177 yards on the ground, given up. Yeah. I don't care if it's your backups or not. You're almost giving up 200 yards in a game. To the Giants. And this is, right? One of your deficiencies last season. How are you not fixing this already? Like this should not have been 177 yards. That that to me was uncalled for by a defense. Well, because that, he fixed the secondary. Oh wait, no, he let somebody go. Um, they're, they're, yeah. they're, and then we got all these new young, fast linebackers at the spot. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, and then JoJo Jo Jawan Williams, I thought looked very shaky. He hasn't looked good in, in knowing him to begin with. I could see him being a cut casualty. I just don't see how there's too much younger talent in the secondary where I feel like he got beat on the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, missed tackle. Uh, I just, I, I don't like what I saw from him. Those are, those are my key takeaways. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I actually liked the play of the offensive line in this one. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it wasn't great. Look, it wasn't great, but, for the the first preseason game, I think they did pretty good considering, you know, like this, there's a lot of patchwork going on. Yeah. And, you know, and I still don't think that the Patriots are done with their roster um, because, look, when players are cut off the teams, I think that's where Bill Belichick really scores a lot. He always picks up those guys. They end up being, you know, quality players for for him, you know. And and I know there'll probably be a couple of guys that are going to be in the trenches that he's going to try to get if they become available, you know. And and I still don't think that what you are seeing is the the end result, obviously, because they haven't made all the cuts yet, but. Yeah, but. You know, you know, but I but think I, there's going to be some pickups before, you know, we see the the end results. So. I think the key too next next week against the Carolina Panthers, let's see what a starting defensive line looks like. Hopefully, yeah, I'd like to see what that unit looks like. And then again, Cole Strange, I think was in there for maybe one or two series, if that. Um, uh, again, this is your number one draft pick. He was in there. You benched your third-round draft pick, uh, Jones, Marcus Jones, uh, the cornerback, and you kept your number one draft pick in the game early. So I, a lot of questions on what they were doing. Um, yeah, but I thought they were on defense. I thought they were reacting very slowly to the plays, um, and Williams is the one that really stuck out because he reacted so slow to that, you know, like that cut and 
going the other way and it's like he didn't even know what was happening yeah until it was too late and then and then um when it came to the broadcast you know they're like all the young linebackers are all place for say i didn't see it no i didn't see the sideline to sideline i didn't see Ro- rokon smith no rokon he's that's uh chicago but right and then um Will- wilson senior i made a nice a couple nice hits but yeah. I, I mean i don't see the upgrade anywhere along the line anthony jennings was the only one i could say at least i saw him active yeah I, i'm gonna question what they do at linebacker because i still feel like it's going to be a this huge weakness on this team hmm. let's keep the patriot theme going with former patriot tom brady who's taking some time off from the tampa bay buccaneers what do you think this means for the upcoming season for the bucks and tom brady well, I'm curious of what's going on with this guy. This guy is all over the place at this point. Um, uh, maybe he's just not getting enough nutrition. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, uh, he's just all over the place, retiring, unretiring, you know, then talking about retiring again, you know, and, and the whole thing with Miami is, you know, and now he's just like disappears out of camp. For what you know so they're saying personal reasons i at first i was i was worried that again it could have been maybe his mom who battled cancer in the yeah. past and maybe things got worse the more you hear about it it's more about some personal matter a lot of speculation about his marriage and that being in trouble that giselle didn't want him to come back to football and he kind of did and some kind of vacation was planned or something regardless of the reason can i say that tom brady is tarnishing his career now towards the end you're hearing about this miami situation this situation here he last season again doesn't go to training camps even at the end of new england's you know run he didn't go to training camps anymore he was always a me and team guy it was about the team He's scared Giselle will be talking to Zach Wilson. Manny, thanks for joining. That's a great one. Yeah, you never know. Hey, Zach Wilson likes the moms. Giselle's a pretty, pretty good looking mom. So that that could be that could be a very good reason. But all of a sudden now it's more about Tom Brady. It's not about the team. Yeah. You're not seeing that anymore from Tom Brady. And it's the one thing that I always admired most about him. Anytime you talked about, we have to do better. It's about us. It's about the team. And think about this now. You're going to miss the first two preseason games, about 10 practices. And then you know you're going to get questioned as soon as you come back from the media. Yeah. What do you say? What do you say? Well, the team, we're going to, you just abandon your team for 10 weeks or 10 days. Yeah. Like what, do you, what, what goes to say week six, you decide, hey, you know what? I need to take another break. Well, I'll tell you, all eyes are going to be on the quarterback position for the game. Um, Tampa Bay playing tomorrow, is it? I believe so. Blaine Gabbert and uh, Kyle Trask will be the two quarterbacks. Yeah, everybody's going to be watching because that's going to be important. And Tom Brady won't return until uh, 8-20 against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, oh no, against the after the Titans game, so 827. So basically, about 15 days before he returns to and they play the Colts that final preseason game. Yeah, he's gonna miss the game against the Dolphins, 
and the Titans. And again, I don't want to come down and say, maybe that's why he's taking some time off to avoid the Dolphins. It it may be, it could be that situation. That makes some sense. I I just, the fact that he's doing this tarnishes his career in my, my eyes. I just feel like it's now about Tom Brady. You came back to your point at 45, unretired, make it seem like I, I got I got more left in the tank, and then you take time off. So how much did you have in the tank? Three quarters? It's not a full tank anymore. I don't even know why he returned. I really don't. I, I, I don't feel like this was a move he wanted to do. There's some reason why he came back. And I think now we're starting to see why. It's triple play time, my friend. And 32 years ago, so episode 32, 32 years ago, these three pitches led the league in strikeouts. So we're going to decide who we start, bench, and cut. And the three pitches are David Cohn, Doc Gooden, and Nolan Ryan. So you talk about some great pitches. I am first this week, so I will start us off. And as difficult as I thought this was going to be, it it turned out to be a little easier than I thought. I'm starting Nolan Ryan. The starter is easy. Yeah, the starter. Nolan Ryan, I mean, had such a long career, but 324 wins, 292 losses, 3.19 ERA. You talk about an ERA for all those games. That's phenomenal. 5,714 strikeouts. 5,714 strikeouts. Amazing. Eight all eight-time all-star. He won two ERA titles and he was a one-time champ. So again, he knows how to win the big game. You talk about a strikeout, a guaranteed strikeout, Nolan Ryan. Don't forget the no hitters. The no hitters, but I think he had seven, seven no hitters. It was unreal. Can't go wrong with Nolan Ryan. My bench. I went David Cohn. And I went David Cohn for two reasons. A I liked his ERAs, had a little more strikeouts than Doc. So 194, 126 in his career, 3.46 ERA, better than Doc. 2,668 strikeouts, about 400 strikeouts more than Doc. Five All-Stars. He won a Cy Young, but five-time champ. So if you got Nolan Ryan goes down, I got a guy that I know I can put in and knows how to win. He won five titles, just the reliability to me. Doc Gooden, I I cut. But as I was doing this, I found some interesting numbers out, right? So 194, 112, so great, great record. 3.51 ERA, 2,293 strikeouts, four All-Stars. He won a Cy Young. He also won a Triple Crown. He was Rookie of the Year. He won an ERA title, and he won a Silver Slugger. Like the men, what a batting award. That's how good... When he was at his prime with the Mets, I mean, he shared, he dominated. He came to the Yankees after, later on in his career, but he still dominated for those few years in the, the, that mid-80s run. To think and if he didn't have a drug problem. Right? Uh, unreal, right? The, the, him, and, him and Strawberry, both of them on that team. But, um, again, so I had to cut him five championships. He did win a, a title, but it not the same as David Cohn, so I went with David Cohn. That's that's how I got it. Well, you got it right, finally. <laughs> so Nolan Ryan was the easy choice, um, just a sheer dominant pitcher. 
Um, spent a lot of years on bad teams, though. So yes. that's why. Know. Yes. Um, so he would hold the the team to like one or two runs, and he'd still, you know, lose because they couldn't score runs for him. Um, well, what are you looking at? Almost six hundred games, right? Over six hundred games. Right. Three point one nine ERA. I know. It was so phenomenal. you're giving up three runs most of the time, and you're still losing two hundred ninety two times. That's yeah, I know. Well, he played for Houston a long time, and Houston was was pretty yeah. bad. Texas at the time was pretty bad. Yeah. So, you know, so he wasn't on great teams. They were supposed to be great when he got there, but <laughs> but he was he was clearly the best of the three. Um, when you look at David Cohn and and Dwight Gooden. Um, they both had 194 wins. Uh, Cone had 126 losses, like you said, and Gooden was better with 112. The ERA was only 0. .05 off, so yep. Cone had just slightly better. Um, even when you look at the WAR number, it was only slightly better for Cone. Uh, strikeouts, he had like 400 more than Doc. So that was pretty lopsided. And all the awards that Doc Gooden had, but it didn't match the five championships. And the five championships is ultimately why I want David Cohn on my bench. Because when you have a winner playing for you, that seeps through your team. No, it's there. So, so. If there's a guy that says, look, I know how to win this. I know what we're doing. Right. Stay, stay you know. It would be David Cohn. That's now, right, great, that's right. All three great pitches, though. I mean, realistically, if you look at the numbers, I mean, phenomenal yeah, yeah. pitches. So, really, really fun triple play. Uh, 32 years ago, though, you think about it. How long ago, huh? That these yeah, guys, uh, right? And that was towards the tail end of Ryan's career. Ryan's career, yeah. So, let's talk some NBA, my friend. And I, I don't know why this guy continues to be the hot topic, but we're going to talk about uh, Kevin Durant. So the Brooklyn Nets owner, Joe Sy, uh has backed his front office over Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has made some options as to how he would stay, and that would be to fire Steve Nash and GM Sean Marks. What do you ultimately think this means for his trade options? Can I start this one? There's, there's not this much, one? though. No, can, you, can I start this one? Do you, yeah, if you don't mind. Good. I feel at this point, I am sick and tired of Kevin Durant making demands. You asked for Steve Nash. You wanted Sean Marks. Sean Marks signed you to a four-year extension. This is all, everything you wanted. And then you're going to come out now and say, if they're not gone, I want to be gone. Sit the bench, don't play, don't get paid. Who cares? If that's the route you want to go, like a pouting child who doesn't get the toy when you're at the department store because mom said no, then you deserve to be punished. And to me, I would not even remotely, if I was the Brooklyn Nets now at this point, say, look, they said, we're going to do what's best for the organization. You know what's best? Have you sit on the bench, whine like a little baby, decide not to play. Nobody's going to touch you. And then you're not getting paid on top of it because you're not playing. Who's suffering at the end of the day? Kevin Durant. Suck it up. Either make a decision as to I want out and I want out be for me, not because of who's coaching me or who the GM is.
because I feel it's a better move for Kevin Durant. Not try to, again, take over the organization like you did when you got Kyrie in there and DeAndre Jordan and you wanted um, Harden and then all of that backfires and now all of a sudden you're going to blame everybody else for those decisions. Absolute coward. It's a disgrace. He should honestly, I would, if I'm Brooklyn, just say, look, sit home. You're not getting paid. Tough. I know you're right because, you know, look, he just signed his contract, you know, what, a year ago, right? Yeah. Yep. Look, you have four more years left on your contract. Live up to it, period. I'm tired of these prima donnas saying, I want to trade. I want out. I want this. I want that. Tough. You sign the contract. Live up to it. It would be different. It would be different if it was the last year of your contract and the team is going nowhere and, you know, you're maybe afraid to get hurt and then not be, you know, able to sign another contract. I can understand that wanting a new contract then and and all that jazz. But but you just signed last year. You need to live up to the contract. I'm sick of, you know. If the owners can't do the collusion thing, then the players can't. Period. I'm I'm tired of the players in the NBA thinking they can dictate everything where it isn't like football where a player can get cut, you know, and then you lose all your money. It's it's different. It's different. NFL players, I totally get why they do the things. But in the NBA, that's BS because you, you're a baby, and frankly, I have no respect for you. And if you if you get traded to the Celtics, I will no longer be a Celtics fan. No longer. So the funny thing is, the Cleveland Browns running back Kareem Hunt recently came out. They're in contract negotiation. He wants a long t- extension, right? And the, you know what the Cleveland Browns said? Nope, nope. He's like, I want to trade. Nope. Sorry, you can either play with us, or you can sit and not get paid. It's your call, yeah. but there is no other option. We're not trading you. We're not yeah. giving you what you want, and, and you're not getting the demands. And I'm not saying the NFL is perfect when it comes to contract, but at least to me, the owners and the, the organizations have some kind of control versus these basketball teams that it's just – it's getting to a point where it's being overrun by the players. Yeah. I'm not saying players don't have the right to want to move, Ron, and you're right. I mean, he just signed the deal. And it, but if you want to move, then move. But don't make demands on their ownership to say, I'll stay if you do this. If you get this guy, if you fire this guy, if you do that. No. Right. If this is the coach they want. If this is the GM they want, that's the organization's right. choice, not the player. Yep. And if you don't like the coach, you can say, I want out for the better of me, not because I don't like this guy. Because yeah. what's going to happen to the next coach that you have, and then you don't like his style either? Yeah. He's got to be gone too. Yeah. So Is how it's going to work? Look, you know, and, and say what you want about ownership. Look, they own the team. They put all the money on the line. They have the right to make the most money. Frankly, you know, I mean, yes, I mean it. It goes beyond greed at times, but but they are putting the money up. They are flying your butts all over the globe whenever you need to, you know, to to get from game to game. You know, they are putting 
in all these personnel staff in place so that way it's easy for you to get from place to place because you don't have to carry your damn bags anymore, right? You know, so everything is put into place to make the players happy and satisfied. You are making millions, millions, and you're going to whine and complain because the team you put together failed miserably? Well, guess what? Tough. You don't want to play? Don't play. That's what I would do. And what what he said, you know, hey, you can you can sit home. I don't yeah. care. I'm don't not going to miss Kevin Durant. Because Joe if Kevin Sy- Durant was all that, he would have beaten the Celtics. Yeah, Joe Sy signs your check. Yeah. You're telling the guy that actually puts the money in your pocket what he needs to do. It doesn't. I, I just don't know where the audacity comes where a, a, a player thinks that he's bigger than the owner. You're going to do what I say, or that's not how that works. Yeah. I, and we unreal. go, we keep going down the line on the, all these athletes and the, that we're going to be talking about. And it's like, I have a gripe this week. I have a really bad gripe and it, it makes me so angry that, you know, business is done this way. Yeah. Well, it's, Tom Brady, we didn't even bring it up. Supposedly the organization organization knew and it was already worked in for him when he unretired. So you're already telling the players, like, just take time off. Kevin Durant, I'm going to demand what I want. What happened to players just playing? Let's talk about the next guy <clears throat> because this is a guy that played. And that's Bill Russell. So the NBA has announced that the number six will be retired for all NBA teams in honor of Bill Russell. Do you think the league got it right? I think so. I think so. Because look, the guy, the guy just wins. Okay. He is a class act. He has always been a class act. He has always, you know, fought for, for, you know, civil rights and, you know, the whole bit. Um, And he's always done it the right way, you know, and people people say, oh, he's not even the best player of that era, and he had a you know a gift team that he won. No, no, that team is made because he made them better. He made them better, you know. And I'll tell you, when Wilt came to town, who played who outplayed who in those games? Number six, yeah, no. right there. Yeah. Number, Number six. six. My Mount so, Rushmore. I I am I am not happy with the NBA about this move. And I'm going to tell you why. Why did they wait so long? The man had 11 championships dominated. Right. Well, that's that's 1969. He retires. I understand the death and you want to memorialize him now. And, and But wouldn't it have been great for Bill Russell to see this maybe 10 years ago? Yeah. Like, hey, Bill, you know what? By far one of the greatest players to ever play in the game. Won the most championships out of any player in the game. Here's how we're going to honor you. I felt like they could have done this earlier. Yeah. That's my gripe. Not that they're doing it because I think it's great. They're going to put Shamrock logos on every court with the number six. They're going to wear patches, all the players. No other player will ever have the number six. But here's another issue I have. LeBron James, who wears number six now, and the Lakers are going to retire it as a LeBron James jersey. Are you that classless as an organization? that you can't accept the fact that every other team's going to honor it and you're not. 
how, what what has LeBron James and, done? And he hasn't done anything on the Lakers. Miami. He's not. It's a Ugh. joke. It's a joke. He shouldn't even it's have his joke. number retired in Los Angeles. Should not. Right? That's what I'm saying. He's been there three Cleveland, years. He won one championship. Yes. Miami, and he, and, sure. But even that, if if it's Bill Russell, let it be Bill Russell. Yeah. Sorry, LeBron. Yeah. Well, remember, remember the Bruins retiring Phil Esposito's number seven, and Ray Bork yielded his number seven to make it 77? 77. If yeah, Ray Bork, one of the best players to grace the ice, can do that, But it just goes to show how selfish players are today versus right in the past. Right. And here we go again. Another example of a greedy individual who it's all about me. And look, I'm LeBron James. And I look, you've had two different numbers. Pick 23. Retire that. Why yes. you would not honor this man as a great in NBA history? Because that's he created this sport for you. Right. If you think about right. all the comings. That came along with him and all the fights he made to make sure that they had opportunities. Yeah. And the first African-American coach. Without Bill Russell, there is no LeBron James, period. And, and this is why these guys, des- I'm sorry, give it up. Stop being so damn selfish. I feel like I'm a grandfather right now, just scolding my grandchild. Like, what is wrong with these people? Why? Why can't you see it? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Even the Miami thing. How long was he in Miami? Four years? Yeah, about that. He won two titles. Whoop-de-doo. One contract. 11 championships. 11. Let's not honor him, though, LeBron. Let's get your your four championships, and your number six has to be retired. Even when you went back to Cleveland, you didn't wear six. You wore 23 again. How important is six to you? It's just you want to make a point, and he should. I, I'm serious. I don't get. Oh, yikes! LeBron, another guy. Your guy. Your Christmas Not my card. Guy. Your Not Christmas my guy. card. Lately. I can't stand him. We're gonna talk some MB, M- MLB, <laughs> oh. and we're just gonna keep rolling uh, this thing along. Of out, out of the fire, out of the frying pan into the fire. Here into we go. Here Let's we talk go. about Boston Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale, who's done for the season after breaking his wrist. And not breaking his wrist during rehab or during, uh, you know, a, a game uh, while he was riding his bike. Yeah. Broke his wrist. Fell. Do you think the Red Sox should move on from him? Oh, God, yes. Please. Please. They still have another two years of paying for this guy. You not love that picture? Three years, Ron. Oh, three years. Whatever it is. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The biggest waste of money probably ever. I mean, I can't think of somebody that like. Look, we 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 joke and make fun of the fact that Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid. Yeah, it's but, one of the worst contracts. You know, at at least he's he's you know present and, and can yeah. make appearances. <laughs> he's, he's yeah, he's more reliable than, than Chris Sale is at this point. In this yes, career. yes, he is. You know, it's it's and just we're ridiculous. Off Chris Sale's Christmas card list as well. So, five-year extension signed in 2019. Yeah. I don't understand why, because even then his numbers weren't great. He's under contract till 2025. The next two years, he's getting paid 27.5 million. 
the last year of the deal, 20 million. He's 33 now. So you're looking at 36. I to me, this is a movable contract. It's not that much money. I mean, the injury part, Boston may have to take some of that salary just because teams are going to be like, well, we can't count on them. So I wanted to go through the numbers, Ron, real quick. And tell me if you find a theme in this, okay? 2017, he went 17 and 8, 2.9 ERA, 214 innings pitched. That's the key number, 214 innings pitched. Very good year. Looked great, right? First year he came to Boston. That was it. Looked phenomenal. You guys... (laughs) You guys got it right. Boston got it right. No, what a great signing. 2018, he went 12 and 4. So already started the injury bug. 2.11 ERA. So you talk about, right? Wasn't giving up. His e- innings pitch, 158. See a theme here going. Okay. 158. 2019, he went 6 and 11, 4.4 ERA, 147 innings pitched. See a theme there. 2020, he was out for the whole year. He had the Tommy John. 2021, five and one, 3.16 ERA, 42 innings pitched. 2022, 0-1, 3.18 ERA, 5.2 innings pitched. His innings pitch have gone down every time in the last five years. Yeah. If I'm Boston at this point, I'm look. I'll pay half the contract, whatever. Somebody take him, because. This just looks horrible for your team because you base a lot of what you do in Boston on Chris Sale being part of that starting rotation. And you can't even count on this guy for a hundred innings. It's it's you can't you can't keep this contract. If you're Boston right now, you can't keep this contract. They're not gonna have a choice because nobody's gonna want him. I'm sorry. Like, nobody's going to want him. Maybe, maybe you can probably pawn him off to maybe the Angels because they're going to keep Otani and they they need to make a run. But they just got rid of Syndergaard. I yeah, I know. That, why, this why is, the, this is the point I'm making. You know, that's why I think the Angels are your only hope. And I don't think there is any hope to get rid of that contract. I think you're going to eat $46 million for the next two years, and he may, may pitch. May. May pitch. Yeah, another guy that right signed a big contract, can't stay healthy. It just seems like sometimes money, I get, maybe it's because it's in their wallet, and it yeah. weighs you down, and you get and injured. This is, this is what was so frustrating when you look at the offseason to the Red Sox. And, you know, as bad of a contract as the sale contract is, what you could have had this year, you could have had 30-plus home runs from Schwarber playing first base, which has been a problem all year, and you think you solved it by getting Eric Hosmer. Okay. You could have had... 20 home runs plus in right field if you didn't trade Jackie Bradley, who's now playing for Toronto, by the way, um, for Hunter Renfro. Yeah, that's a fair trade. What In what cosmic planet is that even comparable? You had a guy, now, like, look, he is not as good as Jackie Bradley in the outfield. I know this. But the guy led the league in assists. (laughs) 
He had, what, 17 last year? It's like, how do you not want this guy? How do you not want him? And then to justify, you know, your crap of a ball team this year, you decide, let's trade the one guy that can control the pitching staff and Christian Vasquez, which, you know, to me, he's just slightly above average catcher. You know, maybe better defensively and calling games, yes. But he's not that great in hitting. You know, he he's very streaky. But you trade him with a pitching staff that's already a mess. Yeah. And then you go out and you make deals to get players. Oh, we need a first baseman, so let's get Eric Hosmer and Tony uh, Ta- Tommy Pham. You know, yeah, Tommy Pham was 10 points higher <laughs> than the guy he replaced. <laughs> really? Although he's been playing well. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's been playing well in Boston. And so is Hosmer. But, I mean, this is not that big of an upgrade. And it's actually a downgrade considering who you could have had, Renfro and Schwarber. And you would have probably been in second place in the division, but probably close. No, I, look, I, I agree with you. I want to get back to the sale thing for a second. And, and this is where Boston made the mistake. They traded Mookie Betts in 2019 oh. in that deal. And the reason why I think they signed Chris Sale to an extension is because the fans are so upset about them getting rid of Mookie Betts. And at the time, Chris Sale was the biggest name left on the team. Yeah, And this is where sometimes you've got to not allow your fans to dictate how you run your organization. And it's the same thing this season at the trade deadline with Boston because they did it with Xander Bogarts. You know he's not going to re-sign. You know you're not going to sign him. But yet you don't trade him and actually get some pieces that could help your team probably next season. It doesn't make sense. I don't get what what this organization does at times. And to your point, then they keep picking up guys when you had guys that you could have, Schwaber should have stayed. Yeah. He played well in Boston. He wanted to stay. Right. But you don't sign him, but then you sign Eric Hosmer because, again, the Padres picked up his contract. So you're not paying him. Yeah. That's what it was. It was like you can't be cheap in Boston and expect to win. Yeah. Well, look. Bloom and then the guys you give the money is an analytics guy, and this is this goes back to that thing. Look, how has analytics won a world series? Has Oakland won a world series recently? No, they're close, you know, (laughs) like it it hasn't won a world series, so I don't know why. Tampa Bay Bay has gotten there, but Tampa Bay really hasn't won them. It can't win them because analytics get thrown out the window in the playoffs. Because then it's guys that that for for whatever reason the 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 baseball gods have chosen them to have great postseasons, <laughs> you know, you know, like a like a, a David Ortiz, Derek Jeter. These guys are special. They they're not special throughout the whole year. I mean, they're great players, but they're not special. Yeah. No, I got come that. playoff I time. They're special. And yeah. that's what wins championships. Clutch. Yeah, they're, they're Boston, the Red Sox are in trouble. The Red Sox are in trouble, especially with this contract. But let's talk about another team that's in trouble here. 
Atlanta Braves. So they've put star pitcher Max Fry on the IL uh, concussion. He got hit with the baseball, you know, while on the mound. Do you think this NL East race is over? Yeah. Yeah, I do, because I think the Mets are too good. Mets have been hot. The Four and eight this season against Did you them. see Grom's you, last outing? <laughs> the Grom looks good. Scherzer, right, looks like he's back to form. You talk about a one-two punch. And that's what uh, I was saying. This is Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. This is yeah. what that is right there. Yeah. Listen, the New York Mets are a legit contender for the championship. I think they're the only team that could beat the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers are phenomenal. So. Yeah. But you talk about two quality pitches, and they're still getting a third. Diaz, their, their closer's been phenomenal lights out. Yeah. They've got all the pieces there that they need. I'd be very concerned. And if I'm Atlanta, I'm worried about Philly. Philly 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're making moves as well. So how much can Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright, who's their um, wins leader right now, 14-5 and five on the season, continue to hold this ground? How long is Fried out? That's going to be key for Atlanta as well, because obviously they they they're big on their two one two punch of their pitching staff. That's going to be key. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think that Atlanta is going to be able to hold them off. I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I think Philly got the shot here. I listen, defending champions. They might not make the playoffs. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it's a, it's a stretch, but they may not if they continue to go. They were f- they're five and five. They're five hundred in the last ten games. Yeah, you continue yeah. to struggle. Philly continues to stay hot. We already expect the Mets to win. They're seven games up right now. Yeah, you never know. It's just you know, bad timing. And the other two teams vying for that, Eric, is San Diego and Milwaukee, who who both can catch the Braves yeah. as well. Yeah, very good. Very good point. There's a lot of teams out there that are still very much alive. It's face-off time. Took a break one week, but we're back. Face-off. And this week's um, discussion is going to be around, should the NFL allow its head coaches to wear what they want on the sidelines? So currently they have the rule it has to be NFL-approved gear. They tell them kind of which hats and jackets and everything they can wear. So one of us has to be for this. One of us has to be against this. I am, since I am first, for them allowing them to go back to the old school ways. The Tom Landry days with the hat, the jacket, Dan Reeves, the the suit and tie, Mike Ditka and that sweater. These were all classic things. They need to bring back the starter jackets. (laughs) They were fire. They were right the start of jackets they nowadays the coaches can't i guess mike no kyle shanahan of the 49ers likes to wear particular hats the nfl won't allow him to wear the hat so he has to wear either what they approve or not wear a hat at all and i I get it it's a head coach what's the big deal but i just feel like it brings some style and flavor to it as well nfl not fun league we've heard that before and here they go again what's the big deal let these guys wear what they want it makes sense. Well, on the flip side, if you say, oh, you can wear whatever you want. Well, what's to stop Bill Belichick and Andy Reid going out there in their birthday suit? Wouldn't that uh, public, be pretty? Uh, public uh, 
a decency. I, I'm sure. I'm just some... saying, you know, if you can win yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. How like, much money does, does the NFL make now? Oh, billions. billions yeah, right. Billions. And this is another ploy by them to sell merchandise to make billions more. You've got to wear our merchandise so that when you're on TV and that camera pans over, you're wearing that new hat, that new jacket that yeah. we decided we wanted to sell. It's all a, it's all a marketing play and it has nothing else to do with the fact that they didn't they didn't like the coaches being able to have the right to wear what they want. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I mean, to a point. I mean, it's like I think look, the the head coach represents your organization and look we're not getting all over the yankees because they have a no beard you know policy you know it's it's just it is what it is it's a it's a dress code you know companies have dress codes and the nfl yeah. is one of them and that's the way it is so but you the dress code it shouldn't be we're telling you what to wear it's this is what it is. It could be business casual. That's what a dress. That's what a dress code is. All right, but that literally. So if Bill Belichick wants to just wear a regular windbreaker on the sideline and it doesn't have the Patriot logo or the NFL logo, it's not allowed. No, it can't be a regular plain jacket. No, and it should have. It should have the Patriots logo on it. Why? What do you mean why? Because you're representing the team. It should you're be the team. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Was Tom Landry a bad coach because he wore the hat in a in a in a jacket? No, the hat is is a little different. A hat is a hat. Mike Dicka. But, but when you when you have that jacket on, you should it should have the team logo on it. It should. The one of the best coaches ever, Vince Lombardi, used to wear a trench coat on the sideline. They don't make him a bad coach. The trophy's named after him. I'm just saying. Manny's very big in the Virginity Rocks merchandise, if you don't know. <laughs> and now we're going to get we're gonna get some. He's got a ton of them already. Maybe you should give some to Sports Unfolded, and we'll wear them on the show. <laughs> I, I I just think. It's I, can, I can definitely be up. bought. So, you know, uh, if you, yeah, if you want to yeah. pay for me to wear some merch, by all means, just send it to me. All right. Send it to me. So we're going to talk some tennis, my friend. I clearly won that, by the way. No, you didn't. Tennis. And big story coming out. Serena Williams has announced her retirement from tennis. What do you think she meant to the sport? We're going to bring her picture up. We are. One of her last. Uh, she, she's going to after the U.S. Open. So this was her, her last event where she lost. Um, saying goodbye to the crowd, I believe it was in, in Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, she redefined what tennis is, to be honest with you. Um, she is the reason why women's tennis is more popular than men's tennis. She's the reason she no, changed like that. that, you know, because for years and years and years, men's tennis was dominant, you know. From, you know, from Arthur Ashe to McEnroe and Connors to Pete Sampras. And, Sampras. Yeah. and Serena Williams comes along and everybody was glued to women's tennis after that. Because she was the one that everybody wanted to see. 
she changed tennis. Yeah, she is what Tiger Woods was to golf, in my eyes. Like her and her sister and that rivalry that they had and what she was able to do uh, on the tennis court. Again, 33 grand slams, 123 of them. Only second to Margaret, Margaret Court, who has 24. She won four gold medals, uh, one in a single and three doubles with her sister. They dominated tennis for a, a, a good span of time. And it's similar to golf where I wasn't watching golf unless I knew Tiger Woods was in contention. I wanted to see how Tiger would finish. Could Tiger win? And it was the same thing with Serena. I would end up tuning in if I knew Serena was playing just because I wanted to see if she could dominate the way she continued to dominate for how long she dominated. And it was just unreal what her and her sister were able to do to bring female tennis, to your point, to the forefront. They definitely changed it. We had great women play it. Chris Everett, Martina Navratilova. These are great legends of the game, right? Even Margaret Court. But to get it to where it was today, Nike sponsoring Serena and Venus and making them right similar to Tiger Woods and, and what they were able to do for that sport that, again, doesn't get the exposure that some of these other major sports would. I thought, listen, it's it's going to be tough to replace, but 40 years old, she's going to be 41 next month. I think um, it may be time. I mean, she really has struggled to try to win that. She wanted to try to get that one last major to at least tie the record. And it just seemed like she wasn't going to be the same player ever again. And it got it got harder to, to watch because you wanted to see her win it. And I don't think she could physically could. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. Well, we will miss her. And we got a lot of retirees this week. A lot of retirees this week. It's it's pretty interesting. So um, we're going to talk some NHL. My hockey guru here. My man of all things hockey. And we're going to bring up the two gentlemen on there because I know you're excited about having Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci back with the franchise for at least another season. What does this mean for the Boston Bruins? Well, it means that they're all in. You know, I mean, they they know they needed a center for um, that second line. Um, so they traded Hala for Zaka. Um Zaka is a center, but he is not going to see the center ice <laughs> position with the Bruins because he is going to play on a wing, most likely with Bergeron, um, until Marshan gets back. Um, after that, who knows where he's going to end up. But it's also possible that they could buy out Zaka's contract and, you know, send him packing, which is a possibility. So, but having Bergeron back and Krejci back in the middle, it makes you strong up the middle again, you know, with Coyle being on that third line. And um, I think that's, that's going to be big for the Bruins. Cause so I'm a little, I'm a little concerned and I'm going to tell you why. So obviously aging players, I looked at some of the numbers, Patrice Bergeron, 73 games played, 25 goals, 40 assists, plus 26. But he had his lowest shot percentage, 8.5 in the last five years. The last four, five years, 13 and 4, 15.6, 15.3, 12.6. They're asking a lot. He took 20, 293 shot attempts, 25 goals. 
only second to David Pasternak, who's going to be expected to do a lot with Marshan being out, right, as well. Krejci hasn't played NHL hockey in over a year, right? Yeah. So it's going to be a, a return as well. Taylor Hall, to me, is the most important person in this organization right now because he's got to be the guy that steps up and at least starts to take some of the pressure off of these aging stars. I agree with you. They're all in. They're trying to. But how much can you ask from a 37-year-old Patrice Bergeron who's obviously on the decline in his career? I'm not sure. He's not a bad player. I'm not sure he's on a decline yet. I'm not sure he is. So you're not concerned about his shot? I, I am not concerned. concerned. I am not concerned. Really not. I, I okay. think I think he's going to play, you know, as good as he's always been. Um, I mean, he's coming off of a, a season where he he won the Selkie Award again, breaking the record, you know, that used to be held by Bob Ganey, a former Montreal Canadian. Now held by a Boston Bruin. Oh, yeah, you're loving it. Oh, there we go. But no, seriously though, I don't, I don't see him in a decline. I really don't. I don't see him in a decline. And I'm not worried about Krejci not having it because I think he's a fantastic playmaker. He still has a good shot. You know, it's not like he took a year off. You know, I'd be yeah, concerned no, if he took a year off. But he was playing in in Chechia, yeah, and yep. and that's. That's a good league. That's not an easy league. So so I'm not worried about that at all. The only thing I'm more concerned about is when Marshan comes back. Having how they fit all the pieces? No, having or just the injury. Injuries, both hips. On both hips. You know, is he going to have the same get up and go? And, and let's be realistic. Look, James White. Had the hip injury, had hip surgery, yeah, retired, yeah, because he could not yeah. be the same player. Yeah. That very good concern on your part, and, right? And because that's we just what don't know. that's my concern is Brad Marshall because, like it or not, he yeah. is the best player on this team, not Pasternak. Brad Marshall is the best player on this team. Brad Marshall gets more points in the season than anybody on this team. He knows how to play shorthanded, even strength, power play. He he has the ability to change a game himself. Sometimes in the negative. Yeah. But which we've seen. But a lot of that is also because of reputation. But for the most part, he is a benefit rather than a hindrance. And I'll tell you, that's what I'm worried about. But I still think that with a new head coach to, to bring these young players on, and DeBrusque is still a young player. He's been around now for a few years, but he's still a young player. And he is going to benefit from this coach in Montgomery. And so will Frederick. And I believe Sudnika is also going to benefit. And I and I look and I know there's not many people out there that are really high on Sudnika like I am. I see the talent. I I know it. Look, it may not blossom for a couple of years. Look, I, I'll be the. You know, I played. 
And I was a very defensive player for most of my career. And I exploded all of a sudden, you know, my last couple of seasons. And this could be the same thing played defensively. He's not bad in his own end. He's pretty good. And if he plays on that fourth line, I like that. And it gives him the experience so that way next year or the year after, it'll give him that experience. You have him get tutored by by another year with Bergeron and then added Krejci to that list of, of guys that can really bring this guy forward, you know, in a good way instead of seeing the bench because he made a mistake. How many times do we see other teams, they their players make a mistake because they're rookies, but they keep sending them out there and then they have great careers. Yeah. Well, we we need to stop stifling that. And that's why they have Montgomery. And honestly, like you said, um, I think more by force than choice with all the injuries, they're going to have to play some of these young guys yeah. and see what yeah. they're made of and for some time. So it gives them a lot of experience so that when you do get some of these key guys back, Don like Sweeney, Don Sweeney has already mentioned the fact that Lysel has got a great shot at making this team, you know, because he's got the skills, you know, and, and they want to see him blossom, you know, but he's never going to get in there with a coach, you know, like Cassidy, because he goes with the veterans. And we saw what happened when you go with the Noshiks and the Felinos and the Lazars last year. Yeah, they can they can put some pressure on a team, but they can't put the puck in the net. For Christ's sakes, you have open nets and you still can't bury it. Well, Studnika, Lysel, Frederick, if they have an open net, they're burying it. You got to put them in there. You got to yeah. give them the playing time. Got to give him an opportunity. So speaking of Bruce Cassidy, uh, his Las Vegas Golden Knights have suffered an uh, injury. Uh, goalie Robin Lenner. Lenner. Uh, will miss the upcoming season. Uh, what do you think the next move should be for the Knights? They need to trade for a goaltender. But so we luck. talked about this. On the, if anybody hasn't Holtby. watched our NHL hockey show, right? We just said Holtby, yep. right? That's my thought. How do you not? This guy's a free agent. Two point. So if we look at if we look at the numbers, 23, 17, and two, one shutout, 2.83 goals against, and a 90.907 save percentage for Lanier. For Lanier. 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 Yeah. Lanier. And then Holtby honestly had a better goals against 2.78 and a better save percentage at 913. Right. So it's actually an upgrade. Yeah. That's the right. guy that you and, should go and, on and sign, and you have a good defense, so it's going to protect. They almost Holtby. made the playoffs. They just fell out of the playoffs. Yeah. They they're a playoff contender, especially in the West. We've talked about the Western Conference and how much easier it should be for teams in the West. There's not a lot of strong teams. They need to make a move quick because you need to get a guy in there that you know you can depend on. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we just keep in some Bruce Cassidy, and I know how much you miss him. And I wanted to make sure we get the Bruce Cassidy story in. Yeah, no. No? Don't miss him. No? Is he on your Christmas card list? There's Probably not. Enough. There's not okay. many people on my Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing that. <laughs> what time is it, my friend? It is pick and roll time. 
this was a tough one. We are going to rank these NFL running backs, these great number 32s, all time from worst to best. The running backs are Jim Brown, O.J. Simpson, Marcus Allen, Ricky Waters, Otis Anderson, and Frank O'Harris. All great running backs. Um, some amazing number 32s. When you look at how many great running backs there were. And that's back before they had the number things now where guys can wear single numbers and 1A, steak ones, A1 steak sauce, all the things that we talked about before. You see, 30s were running backs. Not anymore. Ron's okay with it. But anyway, number 32s. We have, since I am first, at number six. And this this is a very tough tough Wait, did you read off the names? I did. Oh, I missed Jim Brown, O.J. Simpson, Marcus Allen, Ricky Waters, uh, Otis Anderson, and Franco Harris. All phenomenal backs. Number six, I had to go with Otis Anderson. He played in the league 15 years, 10,273 yards, 4.0 yards average. So he averaged four yards a carry, 81 touchdowns, 376 receptions, 3,062 yards receiving five touchdowns, two Pro Bowls, one All-Pro, a one-time UPI MVP. He won numerous rookies. What the hell years. is UPI? Uh, United, I can't even remember what it was. Press International, I think it was. Oh, they, didn't do regular MV- they didn't do regular MVPs back then. Then he got nothing. That's the problem. He got nothing. It's an MVP. No. That's what the MVPs were back then. They didn't do just an individual MVP, so shut your face. Rook, numerous, yeah, please do. Thank you. Rookie of the year awards, and he was a two time champion. And I forgot the years with the Giants. So, he, eight years with the Cardinals, two years with the uh, uh, seven years with the Giants, and he won those two championships with the Giants. But I had to go at number six, Otis Anderson. Number five, Ricky Waters, 10 year mm-hmm. career, uh, 10,643 yards, 4.1 yards average. So, a little better than Otis Anderson, 78 touchdowns. 467 receptions, 4,248 yards, 13 touchdowns, five Pro Bowls, one championship. Didn't have as many awards as the rest of these guys. So um, I put him at five. At number four, driving in the Bronco, the Juice, OJ Simpson, 11 11 year career, 11,236 yards, 4.7 yard average. So you think about almost five yards of carry, 61 touchdowns. So not too great on the touchdowns, 203 receptions, 2,142 yards receiving, 14 touchdowns. But he was a six-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, one-time AP MVP, three-time UPI MVP, and a one-time NEA MVP. Because back then, again, they used to give the award out differently. Also, the first running back to have a crack 2,000 yards rushing. So in, in, you think in between that, how great. Number three, championships do matter sometimes. So I gave this gentleman number three, and that's Franco Harris. 13-year career, 12,120 yards, 4.1 yards per carry average, 91 touchdowns, 307 receptions, 2,287 yards, receiving nine touchdowns, nine-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, 
numerous Rookie of the Year awards, four-time champion. And obviously the Immaculate Reception always go down in history as one of the greatest plays in playoff history. But at number two, I went Marcus Allen, who just put up some great numbers as well. 16-year career, longest out of all of these guys, 12,243 yards, 4.1 yards per carry average, 123 touchdowns, 587 receptions for 5,411 yards, and 21 touchdowns. So this man scored 144 touchdowns in his career. Six-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, one-time AP MVP, numerous Rookie of the Years, one-time champion. But how can this guy, with only nine seasons in the books, nine years, Jim Brown put up 12,312 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. So the man basically, you give it to him two times a game, he could get you a first down. 106 touchdowns, 262 receptions with 2,499 yards, 20 touchdowns. Nine Pro Bowls. So every year he made the Pro Bowl that he played. Eight-time All-Pro, so only missed it one year. Three-time UPI MVP. Three-time AP MVP. Three-time NEA MVP. So he won an MVP every year. And a one-time champion. Back before it was a Super Bowl, he won the NFL championship. Jim Brown has to be number one. Nine years. Those numbers. Unreal. That is the pick and roll, my friend. Okay, now I'll give you the correct list. No, oh, this you're all garbage right now. Go ahead. It's not all garbage. It's all garbage. Um, I will I will spare you in most of the numbers. Yep. Uh, number six, you got right, Otis Anderson. Um, he clearly was at the bottom of this pile. Clearly. Um, to me. It, it wasn't even close. When you talk touchdowns, he had the lowest average touchdowns per game. Yep, 15-year career. It's a long time, so he just got a lot of numbers. He also had the lowest yards per game. Just saying. And that's combined yards. Yeah, I got combined you. Okay. Yards. So he was number six. Two-time champ, though. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, like, I would take any one of these guys. Yeah, nope. Agreed. Number five, O.J. Simpson. No way. Go ahead. And I'll tell you why. Go ahead. I want to hear this. O.J. Simpson averaged the second lowest touchdowns per game out of all these guys. Okay. And also the second lowest yards per game out of all these guys. Now, it doesn't mean he wasn't killing it. He averaged 1,000 yards every year. He it. rushed for two thousand yards. Okay, but go ahead. He wasn't. He was killing it on the field. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, yeah. killing yeah. it on the field. He could really, yeah, but he could really snap through a hole. But again. his numbers just weren't there, and you know he also didn't win a championship, so that kind of hurt. Yep. So when you have the lowest numbers of all the guys above you, and you yep. don't have a championship, there's nothing to put you ahead of them. Yeah. Okay. So so that's where he had to be. Okay, not at all, but go ahead. Number four, Franco Harris. 
You're off your rocker. I am not off my rocker. Ricky Waters is not a top three. He, go ahead. The three guys above him all average over 100 yards per game. All of okay. them. Franco Harris did not. He won, He was fourth. Okay, go ahead. He did not. Okay, go ahead. He also had .58 touchdowns per game. So doesn't come close to being high enough. Now, for championships, however, he see, but you, um, go ahead. Um, can I just say your your theory doesn't work because again, he played three more years than Ricky Waters, so his average numbers are going to go down. He also he wait he going averaged, by that theory. Wait a minute, going by that theory, then you know if you're saying that if he would have played more years, his averages would have gone down for Jim Brown. It could have. Okay, so by that. Then, you know, you're you're figuring out your numbers wrong. Jim Brown should have a higher average than everybody else because he played nine years. I'm just so saying, by nine, going by that it. theory, going Go by that theory you, you just said, then I should not have other players higher. Go ahead. Look, Franco Harris is a great running back, but his numbers don't average out to where they should be amongst the other three. It okay. doesn't get there. Okay. You know, when Almost you're looking at those numbers, 90, that's 100 touchdowns, okay? Yeah. 100 touchdowns. Ricky when you Waters, add 91. that out, it's only, it's, it's only a half a touchdown of game. So you're scoring a touchdown every other game. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll listen. Go ahead. Number three, Ricky Waters. <laughs> okay. Averages over 100 yards per game. Played less years, seasons, but go ahead. Okay. That has nothing to do with it. He only had he had less than three hundred yards total. Okay. Less touchdowns than Franco Harris. Less Pro Bowls than Franco Harris. Less championships than but Franco Harris. But his numbers Harris. are better than Franco. What happened to the three other championships that Franco Harris beats? That doesn't trump what happened to the four championships. Because Ricky just, Waters has also won. Now the championships don't matter. No, now the Ricky championships Waters don't matter. Win the championship, too. He won one. Franco Harris won four. His numbers are four. better. He's better. He's okay, better. So three's Ricky Waters. Just by the eyeball test, he's better. Are you three? Go to number two because I can't with you. If number Jim two, Brown's Marcus Allen. Thank you very much. Okay. At least you're finally coming back to your senses. Look, and I'll tell you, number one is Jim Brown, but it was close. Like, when you do the numbers out with these two players, they were close. <laughs> a half a half of a uh, um, 0.5 yards per game difference. 0.5 yards per game difference. Total yards now. Total yards. I don't even see how you're getting your numbers, though. That don't make sense to me. When you when you combine, up, look, combine the if you yards. Add them all up, and you divide by nine. Jim Brown's numbers have got to be phenomenal. Twelve thousand and two thousand. So he had fourteen seven. Yeah. Total yards divided by nine. Divided by nine. No, yeah. you divide it by how many games by they played. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And they played less games. Yes, 118 games for for Brown. Marcus Allen, you divide 
So 12,200, 5,400, so that is 17,6. You divide that by 143. And you get 124.58 and 123.08. So they are really close. And the touchdowns yep. even closer. 1.07, 1.01. I can't with you. You're, you're analytical. You're doing the analytical. You just complained about baseball and analytics. And you just did the same exact thing for this list. But I'm going looking at the numbers and finding out who the better player and analytically is. dividing and, and figuring out which guy point whatever five would y'all off your rocket. Jim Brown was clearly the best running back in this. He is the best running back in there, and it wasn't close. It was close. <laughs> I hate analytics, but I'm gonna do this analytically. <laughs> Marcus Allen had 144 awesome. touchdowns, dude. You're awesome. 144. Awesome. Okay, and he also played in seven more seasons. It doesn't matter. How does that How matter? How does that not matter? The touchdowns come out the same per game. Jim Brown would have had so, more touchdowns. He played no, seven you just more. said, oh, well, because Franco Harris played more games, his numbers went down. So if it Jim Brown were to do that, then his numbers would go down. He would still have – you're talking touchdowns. Jim Brown would have had more touchdowns. I'm just saying you can't use the numbers for one thing and not use it for the other thing. Okay. You do this all the time to try to prove your right. point, and you're there always go. wrong. I do. Captain yeah. Analytics over there. It, it goes back to the USA Olympic team. Oh, here we go. Bring it up But again. you try to bring the numbers up. Oh, well, if they didn't beat the Russians, then it wouldn't matter. Well, it wouldn't have. They, yeah. It wouldn't have mattered. Okay. Who cares? But the same thing goes to a college basketball team. If they don't win the next game, what the hell's the point? Give me a number 15, a number 16. It doesn't matter. They it never happened. It doesn't matter because they lost the next game. So that washes it out. Okay. It makes it worthless. Yeah, you know that's what you're saying. Your predictions. That's and what that's you're what's saying. Next. That's what's just next. saying. Clearly, you clearly try to the twist list. the numbers any way you clearly want to do it, and they don't work. You can't clearly use the, the numbers list. one way and not the other. So, yes, okay. So, if you think that Franco Harris numbers went down because he played more games, right, then many, that would happen with Jim Brown. So then he doesn't deserve to be number one. So, so if you do the math, <laughs> all right, do the math. How many touchdowns does Jim Brown have? 106. 126. Yeah. Right? If you divide that by 118. Season, divided by 118 games. No. So what yes. I'm saying to you is so each season, no, you how many no, touchdowns you, would he get? No, you how many touchdowns would he get you each divide season? Divide it by 118 games. He played 118 okay. games. Just divide it by the games. So how many did he get in 118 games? Each game. 1.07. How many games did Marcus Allen play? 143. So 40 more games? No. Roughly? No, 17 games more. No, 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 not 17. Uh, 25 more games. 25 times one. You go one, he's going to get another 100. He's 20. He's the same amount of touchdowns. Jim Brown, 1.6. What do you think I'm just saying? That's what I was trying to tell you. The numbers were Play closer than what you thought. Play less games. No. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're crazy. I'm telling you the numbers were closer than what you think they were. You won. Okay, I'll give it to you. Is that what you want to hear? Captain Analytics. No, I'm not, Captain Analytics. I'm not, 
I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. We are going to do our predictions, my friend. And I am five Number games twister. up. Now. Five games up. So we're going to bring that because we want to see it. I know you want to see it. Yeah, that's okay. And how excited you are. Do about I look being... worried? I don't look worried. No, not at all. No. I'm getting no. close. 24, 24 right, because weeks. I'm, I'm calling ties and stuff like that, you know? No, not even 24. And all these stupid preseason left. football games. 20 weeks left. 20 weeks left, my friend. Yeah. So if you'd like to join, if you're still on, Manny, Kenny, you're still on, give us some predictions here. We'll get you on the list. We're, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up today, though. We got some different stuff to, to predict today. I am first this week. Yeah, don't be chickens. So I am going to tell you right now that we are predicting some NASCAR, some UFC. So you guys want to get in on this. Um First, 8-12, we've got the New York Yankees at the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I am first, so I am picking – both teams are struggling. And I don't know which team's struggling more, but I'm going to go with just the sheer fact that the New York Yankees should have a little more talent, and I feel like they could beat Boston two out of three. So I'm going New York. I also went with New York. I'm not a fool. <laughs> The Red Sox, okay, uh, so the Red Sox have won one series in the American League East all year. Yeah, you got me on that one yesterday, and it realized it was a one-game series against Baltimore. It was a one-game series against Baltimore. Absolute That's joke. That's the only one that they've won. Manny went Yankees. There all we right, go, Manny. Manny. All right, 8-12, you got the Milwaukee Brewers at the St. Louis Cardinals three-game set. Who wins the series? Um, I am going with St. Louis. I as well went St. Louis. Since the hater trade, Milwaukee Brewers in that locker room, they've fallen apart. That was such a bad move for them. Yes, it was. And uh, I think St. Louis just over completely takes over the central now in that aspect. 8-14, we got the Seattle Storm at the Las Vegas Aces. No. Oh, yes. Sorry. Wait, Seattle? Uh, oh, okay. The WNBA, uh, it's actually the season finale. So there's actually this, I can't believe they're already going into the playoffs. The Vegas Aces have the number one seed right now. I feel like Becky Hammond's going to knows the importance of this game. is going to make sure that team's ready to go. And they're going to, they're going to lock down the number one seed. So I'm going Las Vegas. I also went with Las Vegas because um, I just think that, uh, that team is just playing so well right now. Uh, they have certainly played their cards correctly. Yeah, no. Just had a big win again to take the number one seed from the Chicago Sky. Really nothing on that one? Nothing? Really? No. I Played their cards, right? Uh, you're so, see, you're, you're witty. Not only do you get great sports talk, you get puns. Some of the best puns you'll ever hear. 814, my friend. You got the Seattle Sounders Football Club at Real Saint Salt Lake in uh Major League Soccer. What do you got? Uh I'm gonna go Salt Lake. <laughs> As you can go see, ahead, I'm very I'm very very confident in this one. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I'm going to Seattle Sounders because I'm going with your theory. I like their name better. Can you see that right there? Yeah. I have yep. Seattle circled. Yes. <laughs> and now and then you made your change. All right. Yes, I did. 
All right, eight thirteen, uh, Seattle. Manny's going Seattle. See, Manny knows soccer too. I know Manny knows. Soccer. It's going to end in a tie. You know that, right? So we are going to pick uh, in preseason NFL eight thirteen, the Los Angeles Rams at the Los Angeles Chargers. A lot of traveling going on in this game. I mean, both teams really have to go a, a good distance. Um, both playing so, uh, so far. If you didn't know. Um, I am picking the Chargers in this one. I think the Rams, a little hiccup here with um, Stafford in that elbow. So I'm a little concerned, and I think the Rams are going to sit more guys just because of the age. Chargers a little younger, want to want to get uh, some guys on the field. So I'm going Chargers. Are you waiting for a pick? Yes. I wasn't planning on one. You got to pick somebody. I don't have to pick anybody. It's an automatic loss if you don't pick anybody. Oh, my God. All right. I'll go with San Diego then. I'll go. Los Angeles. Ah, well, whatever. <laughs> Chargers. Oh, the Chargers. All right, my friend. 8-13. So, tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, I didn't even UFC. write that game down because I didn't want to pick it. Yeah, I know. He's boycotting. Rams. Manny's going Rams. Manny's going to be on the list. Let's go. Uh, Marion Vera. Versus Dominic Cruz, UFC tomorrow night. Oh, I'm first. Um, I'm going Cruz. I think I he's Cruz a better fighter well. anyway. Yeah, 24 and 3 and 0. Oh, uh, looking to get back in the title match. So he needs this one. Marion's won, I think, eight straight, though. So it'll be interesting to see. He's got, his name is Marion? Marion, yeah. Like Marion Barber, Marion, yeah, Sean Marion, you know. Marion from Gilligan's Island. Not Mary Ann. <laughs> what do you think about Marion? Marion Cunningham. You want to, Mrs. Oh, C. I can't with you. Eight fourteen. I can't believe we're doing this. We're basically going to pick which driver we feel will be in the top five of the NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond, and that's uh, eight fourteen. So this Sunday. So we have, have to pick. Day. We have to pick the top a top five driver. We have to pick a top five. So driver. out of thirty six drivers, we have to pick one of the. If top we don't five. get one in the top five, the one that we, we pick, we lose. We both lose. Yep, we both lose. Regardless if our guy finishes ahead of the other guys, right? It doesn't matter. They have to finish in the top five. Your first is on this one. I no, am, did, were you? Were you first? Oh no, I picked Cruz. No, you first. picked Cruz. So my analytics tell me. You're going to have the same guy. <laughs> Martin Truex Jr. Oh. has averaged finish in Richmond, the last five races in Richmond, oh 2.3. He's finished in the top 2.3. So if that average is correct, he will finish in the top five. I'm going Martin Truex Jr. Hey, what happens if we both pick top- a guy in the top five? And then whichever guy finishes higher, that would go. Well, we should both get the win for it. I mean, it's hard to pick. Is that what you want to do? Okay, we could do that. All right, if we both get a top five guy. But maybe somebody gets a bonus point. Okay. The guy ahead gets the bonus point. Guy ahead. All right. All right, so two two points on the line with this. Yes. Ooh, that that makes racing worth it, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so you have Truex. I, I was looking at him. I was looking at him. But Last five. I went with the guy that has more top five finishes this season. Chase Elliott? No. Ross Chastain. No. He has 10. Ross? 
Ross Chastain. Chastain. Does he have a belt? I don't need. Yeah, he has a Come fan on. belt. A chastity. A transit belt. No. transmit. Oh wait, they have <laughs> standards. Hey. So transmission belt. Transmission belt. Ah, oh, very good. Very good. So that's our picks. Manny's got a couple in there. We'll, we'll see how Manny does. Uh, thank you for participating, Manny. Manny's trying to figure out what NASCAR is. Yeah, no idea. Manny doesn't. <laughs> he was like, quick to what? pick the Seattle. Who the he hell plays are they talking about? Manny plays some soccer. Jeff so Gordon? Jeff Gordon doesn't play? It doesn't yeah, race anymore? No more. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Jimmy? Dale Earnhardt Jr. I was looking for Dale Earnhardt Jr. I couldn't find him. No, he retired too. Where's Jimmy yeah, Johnson? He is. is he hurt or something? Uh, Miami now on the beaches. Oh, the coach. No. I picked Dominic Toretto. He picks Dominic Toretto. Wait, <laughs> that's, I think that's, that, that's a good pick. He's, he's racing. <laughs> Dominic Toretto. If he finishes, <laughs> Manny, you get two points if he finishes ahead. Yeah, but it's a loss Ra if he Rush, doesn't. Chastain it's a loss. <laughs> or, yeah, Truex Jr. Yeah, yeah, you got two points. All right. So normally how, how we finish our show, we do our final thoughts. But if you'd like to follow the show, Tick has been going so many different ways to follow us. If you'd like to sponsor the show, email us at ribroadcasting.media at gmail.com. You can sponsor the show. It's extremely affordable. Thousands of eyes on your business worldwide. If you're in Southeast Connecticut, watching us on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. on SEC TV, Public Access Channel 12, check us out on Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are live. We are fan interactive. Manny's been great. Joined us today. Chakra gave us bits today. Thank you for that. Kenny has joined us as well. It's been a pleasure uh, having everybody jo uh, join in today. So we appreciate that. So make sure you follow us. All those things. Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, MeWe, Twitter, all at Sports Unfolded. Sports underscore Unfolded on Instagram as well. Follow Rhode Island Broadcasting as well. Follow us on YouTube on Rhode Island Broadcasting, Facebook, RI Broadcasting on Twitter, Broadcasting RI on Twitch TV as well. You guys have been great. Ron, I am first this week on my final thought, and I am going to continue with the trend. The title was Injuries and Retirees, and there was a retiree that we didn't mention today, and that's Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury has announced his retirement at age 34, a two-time heavyweight champion, 32-0 in his career, with one draw, 23 victories by knockout. So the heavyweight division hasn't really been as consistent. He was at least a consistency in the heavyweight division. Battled through mental illness and also uh, substance abuse as well when he first retired. So this is his second retirement. And I wish him well because I hope that it wasn't generally because of those same reasons. It seems like maybe he's just done with the sport and not for any of the other issues. It's very tough when you have those issues to let it go. It, it, it stays with you for the rest of your life. So we wish him well, because unfortunately now he's going to go through a new journey in his life, and some of these things may creep up again. I hope that's not the case. Tyson Fury, again, even, even though he's overseas, British boxer, he was fun to watch. He, he brought some excitement back to boxing, um, and his fights with uh, – with Wilder, which just so good. So wishing him well. Uh, Tyson Fury retired, 34 years old from uh, from boxing. That's my final thought. Good luck. Okay, so the first thing I might have to mention is uh, WEEI. 
So what was the show that decided to like pilfer our uh, that would be uh, Merlonian and Fourier and Mego. Yeah, so they pilfered our segment, What Were You Thinking? You know, apparently they're worried no. about our little yeah, what were you thinking? our little podcast here. Um because they're worried because if we ever go on the radio on a on another net another channel or station or something, uh, they know that they're gonna lose badly to us. So now they're trying to take our stuff and use it, you know, for as if they thought of it, but they did not think of it. So um, it's all in the video of past shows. So WEI, knock it off. <laughs> and, and, and I hope, and I hope you did it unknowingly, but I got a feeling they knew. But my final thought is Serena. You know, it's when we keep losing great players to retirement, you know, and we thought we did that with Tom Brady, you know, but and we did for 40 days for 40 days. But when you look back at all the greats, Jordan, you know, LeBron magic, you know, Bill Russell, he has guys that still get compared. Gretzky, Lemieux, how or he has company. Yep. Phelps. Even Mark, even Phelps had some competition with Mark Spitz, you know, comparing. Pele has Messi. Yep. Tiger has Palmer. Ronaldo. Yep. You know, um Ali has Marciano, Tyson, you Tyson. know. Yeah. You know, all these greats. Serena really didn't have anybody that can compare. They really don't compare. You put the greats up next to her and she dwarfs them. And that is greats like Martina, you know, Chris Everett, you know, Monica Sellis. No matter who it is, when you compare the two, they don't compare. She has no equal in tennis. At least not on the female side. So, Serena, you go out on top and probably will be the best female tennis player ever. And I could even stretch that out and say the best tennis player. Great, greatly said. And I will say this. I wish and I hope for, for her, U.S. Open on, on, on American soil. I would love to she see She wins it. that 24th and ties the record and, and goes out like that. How great would a, an ending would that be to that career? Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see how that, that all pans out, but Ron, it's been a pleasure. A uh, little feisty today. I mean, but that's what we want. Uh, everybody that joined today want to thank you again. Thanks for joining us live. You guys have been great. Thanks for participating. We get to do it all, all over again on Friday. So join us 6 PM every Friday. We are live fan interactive Episode 33, Larry Bird. Can't wait. Uh, so we'll be excited about that. Ron, as we always do, thank you for all your sports knowledge today. And uh, no one is safe on this show. Nobody. <laughs>
we've attacked everybody and even their relatives. So all we want in this world, even though we like to jab, is peace. So everybody out there, have a great night. Have a good night, everybody.